Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Hello, welcome to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen and Gregor McGregor. We're going to be talking in this episode about Aidan Flint's absence from team. Has it possibly been a good thing? We'll talk about Lloyd Kelly again as well, putting in perhaps another man of the match performance in the win against Ipswich on Saturday. And also Gustav Engvall's future might have taken a turn. More on that a little later on. And Bristol City's away form leaves a lot to be desired. Again, we'll come on to that later. But first, Gregor, I have never been as cold as Saturday afternoon at Ashton Gate. I've never seen the fans looking as cold. I've never seen so many people go inside at half-time, jumping up and down, trying to keep warm. The game against Ipswich, is that the coldest you've ever been to? Uh, no, it was probably uh, Monday's game, uh, under-23's game, Bristol City against Birmingham City. Oh. I had to be back there, I was back out there, and I didn't have the crowd or the um, yeah, the 20-odd thousand that were there for the Ipswich game to uh, keep me warm. It was so, so cold on, on Saturday, but the good thing was, despite not the best performance again, Bristol City got the result, and uh, Lee Johnson was jumping up and down on the touchline trying to stay warm. The fans were growing a bit impatient below me in the first half. I remember sort of 20, 20 25 minutes, there was a pass that went backwards, I think, from Marlon Pack, and uh, at the upper Lansdowne stand, they all just sort of sighed and were, were waving their arms, trying to get the team forward, because there wasn't that fast, free-flowing football going on at that point. And yes, the conditions do play a part, but didn't look like the Bristol City a few months ago, did it, again? No, I think there are clear reasons for that, though. Um, one is the weather. It's just, it really does make a huge difference when, uh, first of all, it's really cold, but also the, that wet, that wind was um, unrelenting, just uh, blown across the pitch and it's catching the ball. As well. Yeah, exactly. We had everything. We had snow, sunshine, maybe even a little bit of rain at some point. Um, and yeah, it's just really difficult to play in those conditions. But they got the win, um, and I think that's a, a great sign when you can get those 1-0 closely fought um, games and uh, get the three points on them. Yeah, gr- grind them out even when you're not playing that well. And a big, big plus was a decision that Lee Johnson made to take off from Arjiju, bring on Milan Juric, when he missed the sitter, when the, the, the I think it was Marlon Pack's strike was spilt and he put it over. I was like, oh my days, that's a really bad miss. But... You know, I could see Lee Johnson on the touchline signalling to him, just side foot, just side foot it under him. And he said after, that's what he wanted him to do. I thought, oh, this is going to be nil-nil. And then, what a ball from Lloyd Kelly. And what a header by Milan Juric. Redeems himself in a couple of minutes, didn't he? He did, yeah. Um, I, I have to admit, I thought that was the chance of the game gone when he when uh, Milan put it over the bar. However, at the same time, there's um, a saying of Ron Atkinson, as I always remember from the big match, anyone old enough to remember that. Um, and he always used to say that basically you get these moments in matches and they suddenly turn the game, they wake up the crowd, everybody gets going and suddenly it inspires the team to create more chances. So sometimes you get a big miss like that and it, and it, yeah, it really gets things going. So... That was the case. They obviously got the goal um, and won the game from that. Brilliant cross, as you say, from Lloyd Kelly, who was outstanding once again and um, vital win. 
Yeah, and another clean sheet as well. I know the performances haven't been the best, but defensively, Bristol City have shored up a little bit in recent games without their main men almost. Aidan Flint has been suspended and there's been clean sheets in a row, three in a row now, hasn't it? it there has. I think what we're seeing um, is I actually think the um, squad is coming together quite nicely at the moment in terms of several players really developing. Um Eros Pizzano has come back from injury. I, I, I do rate him. I think he's... Um... Oh, but he looks shattered on Saturday. <laughs> I remember thinking about 60-minute mark. I thought, surely he's going to take him off, but he didn't. But he's played so well. He, he has, and it was the same at Burton the week before. Poor chap, he was just hobbling back from the halfway line on the sort of 90th minute up at the Pirelli Stadium. But, yeah, he's a class act. I think um, he's really starting to play well. It, uh, the stats behind him, I know I've tweeted about this already, but I think they're worth repeating that he's now had four clean sheets in his last four starts um, and yeah five in ten games in the championship this season which is just remarkable and it, of course it's about more than just one guy but there's a clear trend there and um, yeah it, it, it's probably his reading of the game um, his athleticism his, his poise and he's over 30 so by many people's uh, reckoning he's, he's a veteran isn't he by by um, standards of the other players and yeah he, he offers a lot to the team and we're seeing that now he's um, putting together regular good performances and I think he's going to be a huge boost for, for the final games of the season but over on the other side Lloyd Kelly has, has done the same and these guys maybe haven't well obviously haven't played so much this season but are showing that the strength in depth in those positions. I mean, you know, obviously you've got Magnuson and Joe Bryan's come back. He'll be available next game. Um, and that's before we even talk about central defence. Yeah, I mean, Lloyd Kelly was superb again. I think Lee Johnson said to me again he was man by match. Superb ball for Milan Juric. It's just a peach of a ball. And looking like next season he could really step up and be a regular but with all these players coming in and, and really stepping up, with well, Joe Bryan, who's been out suspended, who's back next game, but Flint has been out as well. You know, you've got to say, Bailey Wright, Adam Flint and possibly Nathan Baker's places are in doubt, but Magnuson did pick up that injury. We don't know the extent of that yet, do we? Uh, except that... By the way, are you OK about this? Because I know that you love Horder Magnuson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no comment. Um, no, well, Magny's gone away, hasn't he, with the um, Iceland team at the moment. He actually tweeted the other day that his knee's OK. So, um, yeah, no worries there. I have never seen such a palaver of a stretcher. The stretcher was coming on, then the stretcher was going off, then the stretcher was going on, and then it was going off. I was like, how bad is this? I, I, and I sent my producer at the sky, because I was doing soccer Saturday, I was like, really nasty injury here to Horton Magnuson. And then he walked off around the edge of the pitch. I was like, oh, no, no, now I look silly. Well, yeah, maybe the cold fingers, I don't know, on the cold stretcher frame, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> yeah, Mag- Magnuson, that's two clean sheets for, na- for him now that I he's been involved in. Yeah, and he, he, was, he was good at the weekend, so, um, yeah, plus points for him. And, yeah, strength and depth again there. You're right, um, it's going to be funny, isn't it, to... Well, it's going to be interesting to see if Nathan Baker comes straight back in. I, I think- expect to see Baker come straight back in, because he only missed that one through injury, didn't he? But Flint will have been out for three games through suspension. Yeah. Also, if Johnson doesn't bring him straight back in, does it send out a message to the player that what he did was unacceptable? Or if he brings him straight back in, is it that, oh, we need him? You know, which, which one is it? It's the psych, psych, psychology of it all as well, isn't there? Yeah, I think he'll bring Flint straight back in because he's, he's the sort of one of the leaders of the team, if you like. He's, he's, a, key, he's a key, key figure. At his back expense. There. Um, well, if Baker's fit, I think they'll, they'll revert to the usual two of Baker and Flint at the back. Um, so Bailey Wright's dropped? Yeah. But Bailey Wright, the captain? 
Club captain, indeed, indeed, yeah. I just think they'll go with um, their strongest possible team and probably Bassano just nicks the right-back position off off right and um, Flint and Baker in the middle. Yeah, and then we'll, I think we'll have to discuss left-back next week because uh, obviously we're on the break at the moment and we'll be looking forward to the Barnsley game in more detail on next week's podcast. And maybe further debate whether Flint will get back in the team but of course he signed that new deal and Bristol City have made it clear to everyone how important he is and we've heaped praise upon Lloyd Kelly deservedly so let's move on to a player that had quite a quiet game on Saturday um, but of course run his socks off as he does every game for me the hardest working player in the team Bobby Reid uh, Gregor you've been writing about his future this week and we think there's been quite a bit of interest from a Premier League club yeah, I, I know that there's um, definite interest from Premier League clubs and, uh, yeah, unfortunately, like many journalists, can't reveal my sources, but um, there's there's a couple of sources that have spoken to me about this. And, um, yeah, I, I, let's be honest, it's not the hugest story. It's not a massive surprise that um, basically Premier League clubs should be interested in the top scorer in the Championship. It makes, it makes sense. Um, and the thing with Bobby, obviously, and the club have already said this, Mark Ashton explained earlier in the in the season that they are trying to tie him down to a new deal I believe that he's um, out of contract not this summer but the summer after so I think basically everybody's going to have a big big decision to make um, this coming summer and a large part will depend on what offers come in and um, what Bobby wants to do himself so what do you think he will want to do because Bristol City is his club it's his hometown club but you know he's been out on loan quite a lot he had to wait to get his opportunity so is it going to be a case of he wants to stay with with the club and the place that he's from, the place where he grew up, or is it at the age of twenty five, the Premier League, you know, comes knocking? How can you say no? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people might have seen um, our exclusive interview that we had with Bobby a couple of weeks ago when uh, Neil Mags did a fantastic um, interview with him, taking him back to his old school. I think both of them went to the school there. And yeah, that, that was a great chat with um, the Bristolian and, um, oh, sorry, both Bristolians. And yeah, Bobby said in that that he wanted to play in the Premier League. He has ambitions to play in the Champions League. And um, like many players, I'm sure he'll want to play at the highest level he can. And he sort of reiterated there um, that um, ideally he'd like to do that with Bristol City. And why wouldn't he? You know, he's, he's got his family here and um, yeah, he's, he's come through the, the ranks of the academy and he's got all his mates around him here. So why wouldn't, why wouldn't he want to do that? So, yeah, I, th- I think there's a chance he will stay. However, if Bristol City don't go up in the summer... Uh, and Premier League clubs come uh, come calling, and I believe they will do because, um, yeah, I just know that the level of scouting that go- is going on at the moment around Bobby. Um, there's there's some clubs such as Bournemouth is the one one of the ones I wrote about this week, and they are sending their very top level people to watch Bobby. We've we've had um, Andy Burton, who you might even yeah, know yeah. this guy. Yeah. He does um, uh, consultancy work now for for Bournemouth in recruitment. In fact, he specialises in in um, finding out about players' backgrounds and um, doing these kind of checks on their personality, etc. He's been at Ashton Gate recently. Also, last weekend, Eddie Howe's um, half-brother, Steve Lovell, was um, there as well. So, um, yeah, there's there's real interest, basically, in Bristol City players. And that's always going to be the case. And I but, think City need to take that as a compliment. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely a compliment. But, uh, but is Bournemouth, they're the front runners at the moment, then? 
Is that what we're saying? Because as soon as the transfer window opens, if Bristol City haven't gone up, then there could be a, a number of clubs maybe in, in for Bobby Reid? Absolutely, yeah. I have been told about other clubs. I believe myself that Burnley are interested and I've been told by another source that Everton are another one interested. But, I mean... Things change very quickly in football. Is yeah, it's a bit of a cliche, and yeah, who's to say that like another deal doesn't happen between sort of um, at the end of the summer with somebody else, you know, and, and another target becomes available, and clubs will have lists of pe- people they're interested in. Mm. Um, but most of this will go down to what Bobby he w- himself wants. So um, it'll depend on who's interested, um, what his ambitions are, and and what, how City do basically. If they go up, I don't think there would be any problems whatsoever. If they, stay, wouldn't they? It's, it's I, no-brainer. I, yeah, I think so, absolutely. It would work for everyone. And if they don't go up, then yes, then maybe there might be um, a situation where a good offer comes in and Bristol City would then have to really consider um, that offer. If Bobby wasn't going to sign a new deal and he was going to be out of contract in a year, they probably would have to look at um, accepting a big bid. Yeah, Will's tweeted us, if you're on Twitter, it's at Michelle and 7 and at G McGee on Twitter. He said, if we don't go up this season, do we need to keep hold of key players like Flint, Reed, and Brian in order to challenge again next season? How important would it be for Bristol City to keep Bobby Reed if they could, if they don't make the playoffs and if they don't go up? Yeah, it's... it's... And I'll caveat that with, we thought Tammy Abraham leaving was, was terrible. I know he was only here on loan, but no one saw where the replacement for Tammy was coming from. One thing about Lee Johnson is he successfully replaced his goal scorers, hasn't he? Obviously, he lost Jonathan Coggio, replaced him with Tammy. Tammy went and um, he replaced him with, um, obviously, Bobby. And now Bobby's going to go and maybe Lois Dioni will come good. But maybe, maybe not. Right. He, <laughs> he, might, he might, I think he might have other irons in the fire. I'm sure he's thinking about this kind of thing, obviously. And there'll be plans in place. The other thing is... If, if Bobby did go, worst case scenario, then they're going to get a sizable fee in for him. Even if there's just one year left on his contract, you, you would, I would be expecting that to be seven million, eight million plus, maybe up to ten million more. It would depend on you how many. You've been paid for championship strikers before, you know. What was Ross McCormack? Like eleven yeah, million, yeah, eleven, was he? twelve, yeah, 11, twelve, yeah. You know, you've got to think that Bobby Reed would command that sort of fee. And then it's about how they reinvest that money, I suppose. But you look at the signings that Lee Johnson has made. Flora has also been a really good signing. Exactly, yeah. I, I've gotten absolutely every confidence that Lee would replace him. Um, I think that's one of his real strengths as a coach that he's shown in his time at Ashton Gate. Um, and the way he sets his team up to play attacking football and the makeup of the side and the creative players he's got there, whoever comes in will score goals. And there'll, there'll be plenty of top strikers who would love to do that because of the way Lee sets his team up. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think it's a huge, the hugest worry if the worst-case scenario happened. But we're a long way from that, and um, I don't think people should um, maybe assume the worst is going to happen just yeah. yet. It's a long way to go. But if uh, Bristol City do go up, well, I think we're both quite confident that all these players will want to stay, surely. Absolutely. I mean, just one little case in point is Joe Bryaner, who is obviously a terrific player. I've... Um, said a few times I've written about him being the best left back in the league. I really think he's right up there, and I would imagine there's going to be real interest in in him again this summer. But then you look at Lloyd Kelly, who for me the last two games oh, has been so 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 good, and um, I actually think Lloyd Kelly's got to play now. I think he, he's he's good enough to play now. He should be getting more minutes. So this is a real real problem for Lee. Good problem. Good problem. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And. Um, if Joe went, then you've got the perfect replacement there in Lloyd Kelly and another academy product, another local guy. 
um, as you come through the ranks, it, it would be um, do you think, it would do work you, well. Do you think that people are going to start looking at Bristol City's academy now? You know, do you think Premier League clubs might start coming to Bristol City's academy and start poaching players from a younger age? Because look at the talent they're producing. You know, it's phenomenal. It, they're producing more than other academies are, aren't they? As a general sort of consensus. Yeah, there's, that's a really good question. And yeah, two things. One, they they already have been doing that because you've got the likes of Herbie Kane at Liverpool, who's a terrific talent uh, in the England youth um, uh, teams. You've also got Rolando Ahrens, who hasn't unfortunately worked for him at Newcastle. He's just gone to Hellas Verona. Um, But um, possibly the best of the three, Jacob Maddox in um, Chelsea, who um, left Bristol and he's, he's gone to the Chelsea Academy. And it's interesting to see how those guys get on leaving Bristol for um, obviously the, the big superpowers in the Premier League as opposed to the likes of Lloyd Kelly and also Zach Viner who I have to say um, I was told um, by one source that he was very close to getting an England under 20 call up um, oh, really? recently so he's another one that um, but these lads have stayed at Bristol City exactly and they're faring better and I think in the longer term that might do them a lot a lot better and Interestingly, I've heard been told another story, which I've kind of been saving, but I'm kind of working on at the moment, oh. regarding um, a very highly rated uh, Bristol City prospect in the academy that I know is who is a, a wanted. Um, Are they out on loan at the moment? They're not out on loan. No, this is a very young player who's um, already been the attention of um, other clubs, but I can't um, say any more than that. Oh, uh, mysterious! Um, I'm like still it. working on that story, so I hope to bring it to fruition soon. I think that'd be something nice for us to come back to as well to get a bit more info about how the City Academy works because it's producing such talent. There must be some pretty talented coaches there, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, you, you've seen recently with all the guys coming through at Bristol City, and I think that I, th- I, I did that. Obviously, McAllister was with the under 23s before, he, and they, he, they bring coaching staff through too, don't they? He was, and yeah, this was something I asked Mark Ashton earlier this season when we got some time with him, and I and I asked him if basically the the setup and. Uh, building to uh, and improving on the category, well, they've got category two status, but maintaining category two status um, for the academy. For those that just don't understand how that works, just explain what that means quickly. Yeah, that's um, in relation to the um, English um, uh, ECCP Elite Player Performance Plan um, and regards the categorisation of um, academies across the football league um, and every ca- um, academy is rated from one to four. One is the best. Bristol City are rated at um, two. They had an audit in the summer to make sure that was still the case. It was. And um, yeah, it, it's the sign of a, a, a flourishing academy. Which is that pretty standard for a championship club, just for those that aren't so familiar with this? Yeah, you've got a few um, clubs that are actually ranked at um, elite status, number one status in the championship. I think Wolves are there, possibly one of, one of the other ones. But you've also got a few um, clubs in the Premier League, even who who aren't rated that highly. Oh, I mean, right. Huddersfield have done away with their with their youth system entirely. Yeah, it's a shame when they do this, isn't it? Yeah. So, but every club's got their own philosophy, and basically, yeah, Bristol City are doing great things, and I think um, they're only going to continue to do that with um, the, the way Lee Johnson is willing to play young players and. Um, the way they're bringing in other young players, uh, such as Tyreek Bakinson and Freddie Hines from Luton. And I think we're going to see more more of this happening in the future. Fantastic. Well, one player that might be leaving is Gustav Engvall, but he could be leaving before the end of the season, Gregor. Yeah, there's a bit of speculation. I've been told by one source that he has been in formal talks with um, Jurgarden back in the yeah, Svenskan League. Which is where he came from? 
Uh, yeah, he was at a different club, but he was at Joe Garden last um, last season on loan. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he could be going back there. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Get, get him well, we thought he might leave, though, didn't we? Because he's just he's not getting a chance. Do you feel a bit sorry for him? Because, you know, Corley Woodrow also isn't getting a sniff at the moment. But Lewis Junior has come in and done nothing. And Engvall must be sat there on the bench thinking, well, what have I got to do to, to have a go? Because is it something that Lee Johnson, you think, and his staff, Dean Holden, Jamie McAllister, are seeing in training? Because they see them every day. We don't. We see them for 90 minutes on Saturday. In this case, we don't see Engvall at all. So what's going on? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, good, it's a good point. It must be to do with that. Um, I do think the younger guys have been a bit unlucky. At this stage of the season, <clears throat> Excuse me, Lee just won't want to take chances. He... Um, he'll want to go with the guys he, he trusts most and are going to do the business for him um, but I just feel with Lois they're maybe giving him a bit of a trial to see if he can if he can cut it because if he can you've got a player there who's done well in uh, League 1 let alone League 2 so he could be a real a real gem if it all came together at the moment it doesn't look like that's going to happen but there's still time for him to um, turn it around and show his true form. Well, we'll have to have to wait and see what happens with Engvall, but I'm hoping next week when we do the podcast before the Barnsley game, we might have some more information about what's going on because we are uh, on an international break at the moment. So no game for Bristol City this weekend. Uh, do we know where they are? Have they gone abroad? I mean, I know some Premier League clubs have given their players time off and uh, speaking to Mick McCarthy after the Ipswich game and he said his lads are having three or four days off. I've seen some managers like uh, Carlos Carvalhoal from Swansea City has gone to Dubai, which is very nice. So what are our Bristol City boys up to this week and what's Lee Johnson up to? Um, oh, I understand um, they've been given a few days off, but it's also been great to see um, a lot of the guys involved with the community um, work that's been going on via the uh, Bristol City Community Trust, which um, the club has been um, tweeting and videoing and, and showing everybody the last couple of days. And that's great to, great to see as part of the EFL community um, day um, and yeah so obviously some of them have been busy getting involved in those things I liked watching a bit of Frank Field and playing football and obviously we were down at South Bristol Sports Centre last week so uh, yeah we, we've seen as well um, some of the great stuff going on there and spoken to the the guys there so they, they're out and about doing things community rather than possibly selling themselves in Dubai is what you're saying yeah well it's, it's good to see, isn't it, Get them getting involved with um, local initiatives. And, um, yeah, I'm sure the next few days, though, they're going to have a bit of a rest and uh, before we uh, make the uh, undertake the run into the end of the season. Yeah, do you still get to the gym, though? I've seen their Instagram stories and they're still there ah. working out and d- doing their thing. And let's just quickly talk, before we go, about Bristol City's waveform. We're going to touch more on this last week, but what a crazy fact it is. I mean, how can a fact be crazy? Because it's a fact. I always think that. But Bristol City haven't won away since the 8th of December when they beat Sheffield United 2-1. God, that feels like ages ago. I mean, how is that possible? Yeah, well... We know how that's possible, but, I mean, how has this happened? What I would say is that look at every club's run of form, and, like, even Wolves, um, before before their last win, I believe they'd only had one win in five matches in the league, and that's Wolves. Look at the squad they've got. Look how much they've spent. This league is unrelenting. We we keep saying it, and everybody does, and it's true. Um, Cardiff, they had a terrible run um, just before Christmas, where they they had something like eight games without a win. Um, Fulham had a terrible start to the season. All these clubs have had bad spells, and uh, it's very, very difficult to, um, to get a win in this league, and Looking at the looking at the teams at the bottom, even like they're all in around 
33 points, I believe, um, takes you just outside the relegation zone at the time, at this at this moment in time. And normally that sort of secures you at the root of the table. And if you just look at the number of draws that there have been mm. this year, so many clubs have had loads of draws. Like Bristol City have had loads of draws. 13 draws. Yeah, I think only Preston and maybe another. Derby have got 14. Millwall have got 13. Preston have got 15. Yeah. And Sheffield Wednesday, 14. It's an incredible amount. And basically teams are, are very good defensively I do actually feel there's a lot of very um, good teams who are set up well well drilled and defensively sound maybe not quite so much attacking talent in the league at the moment but um, as as per other leagues um, and at other times even but um, yeah there's, there's certainly it's certainly difficult to get a win because Bristol City really haven't lost that many games I mean they've lost the same amount as Villa which is nine so I think next week we're going to touch touch on the running, aren't we? Because it's it's going to be tough. But before we came in and recorded the podcast, you're still very optimistic, aren't you? And we both thought that that win on Saturday was sort of do or die for playoff chances. And I spoke to Lee Johnson after, I know you did too. And he just said it was pivotal. It was one of those pivotal moments in the season. If they'd lost on Saturday, he said, and Middlesbrough had won, the gap would have been a few points and you're sort of looking at it slipping away. But it's one point. It's on. It is, yeah, vital, vital win because you just have to look at the teams around them and um, it worked out to be a good weekend, didn't it, for Bristol City. So, yeah, they've got got to build from here. I I think it's going to be exciting, isn't it? It's going to be very tight, I think, now. I wasn't wasn't so sure a couple of weeks ago when the form had gone and they were slipping, slipping, slipping. And I just said to you tonight on Saturday before the Ipswich game, "This this is it now. But they've got that result. They've got a couple of weeks off. So before the Good Friday fixture against Barnsley, we'll be back. Lee Johnson going back to his old club, of course, and we'll be previewing that game and hopefully have some more Gustav Engvall news as well. And if you have any questions or points you'd like raised in next week's episode, then if you go to iTunes, if you're listening on there, go to the rate and review section. And in the review bit, you can put your question to us or the point that you'd like made. And if you feel like it, you could give us five stars or whatever you rate us at. That's at iTunes rate and review. Or if you're on Twitter, you can tweet us at MichelleOwen7 and at GMcG. Thank you for listening and we see you next week. Robins on the Wire.